Have you ever wondered if it's possible to live in sync with your cycle? Do you struggle with a negative mindset around your period? Are you wondering if it's possible to be feminist and anti-birth control? We're going to explore these questions and so much more in the Managing Your Fertility podcast, because this is about helping you live a whole and full life. I'm your host and guide, Bridget Busacker, joining you in this journey of exploration related to women's healthcare, feminism, and fertility awareness. Are you ready? Let's get started. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So before we get into our topic today on the feminine genius, which I'm so excited about, let's do an introductions for everybody listening here. So Emily Harpel is from Denver, Colorado, and she's a 2019 graduate of Benedictine College, where she studied theology, evangelization, catechesis, and political science. She spent her first year post-grad as a missionary with the Culture Project, where she spoke to middle and high school students about the dignity of human life and the richness that comes from living a life of sexual integrity. She loves ministry, especially in the realm of theology of the body, and fostering healthy relationships with a special place in her heart for encouraging young women. So beautiful. Emily uses her Instagram account to reach out to other young people and currently works as the scheduling coordinator for Sarah Swafford and Emotional Virtue Ministries. Emily, it is a joy to have you here. I'm so excited to get into this topic. We had a phone call a couple of weeks ago just to talk about like what would this look like and I, I just can't wait. So before we get into the specifics of the feminine genius, can you just tell us a bit more about your background beyond this introduction and how you got into this space of ministry and speaking on the feminine genius? Yes, of course. Um, you know, this is actually a question that I've been reflecting on a lot lately, just as I've been continuing to talk more about the feminine genius and different things like that. But I guess growing up, you know, grow, grew up in a Catholic house. I'm a cradle Catholic and went to Catholic school my whole life. So basically kindergarten all the way through college at Benedictine. Um, and I was always really involved in my Catholic faith. I was, it was something that I was really passionate about. Um, always, you know, was taking a part in the ministry positions and different things like that. And um, really loved being a part of it. And I knew when I was in high school that I wanted to study youth ministry. And when I was um, kind of looking at colleges and different things. That's what led me to Benedictine is they had a youth ministry program. Um, and I was able to study theology here. And so, um, that was kind of the background, I guess, in my faith life, but in talking specifically about my passion for women and my passion for just, um, studying kind of gender and the complementarity of, of men and women, I, I really kind of, I question it a lot of where it came from. I've always been kind of wondering, um, but I know that a lot of it is rooted in my own struggle with sexual sin for a lot of my life, um, especially in the realm of like kind of personal struggle. And um, that's something that I think uh, was such a shameful part of my story and sh- such a shameful part of my life or something that I was very ashamed of, not shameful, something I was ashamed of, but um, you know, that was something that uh, was really really hard for me. And so when I started learning about theology of the body and I started learning about the beauty of sexuality and the beauty of all those things, it just transformed my world because for so long I had seen it as something very negative and something to be ashamed of. Um, and it brought so much healing to my life. And so kind of through my own healing of that, I also started to be able to open up more and more to other women in my life. And I started to see how our friendships, um, you know, we're formed through that and, and we're, we're grown through that. Um, this is something you and I talked about talking about, so we can kind of get into it a little more, but I had some really incredible female friendships in college that just opened my eyes to so many different things. And I started to see the beauty of, of women and, and just love femininity and all those things. And 
I'm a very, I'm definitely a girly girl, you know, and um, <laughs> I love like anything girly. I've always loved those things, but I also have like a tomboy side as well. I love sports and, and whatnot. And so I think when I started studying it more, I started to see just the beauty of how um, the church calls women in all aspects of society and all aspects of the church and everything like that. The church calls upon us to live out our true femininity in such a beautiful way. And it just really struck me. And so I've gotten really passionate about it. I, I think also studying political science in college got me passionate about it because you would read crazy things online about, um, you know, women and, and feminism, like the, the kind of the more negative sides of feminism, especially modern day feminism and whatnot. Um, and that just got me really passionate to see how I could share the, the truth and the beauty of our femininity uh, with the world. So I would say that's kind of kind of how it started out. I'm still kind of asking the Lord and reflecting on why I've been so passionate about it. But um, yeah, that's what I think. What I love about this and just you sharing this is just how the feminine genius is so woven to each of our stories and a part of our stories that it's not this abstract idea um, or this theological concept, but it's really a part of who we are. And just, you know, as you're, as you're talking about your own struggles, you know, and even in that struggle of saying, okay, I'm ashamed of, or is it shameful and what's going on in this space, you know, to say, okay, where is that healing and understanding who I am and who I'm made to be? And, and my body is good. And just in recognizing through the theology of the body, that this is so applicable to our everyday lives and just the healing process and, and opening ourselves up to the ways in which the Lord reveals his mercy and his love to us in so many tangible ways. And it's just so beautiful that you speak to this and that you have a passion for this, because I think especially today, as you mentioned, you know, in your background in political science too, the feminist movement, while there are some good points to it, is also become so self-destructive. Mm. And we're really looking for that. I think those answers are to say like, is this it? Is this all there is? Why, why don't I feel like enough? You know, and I think that cry of so many women that we're seeing where we're struggling in so many different areas and we're saying, okay, but for the sake of feminism or in the name of feminism, like this should be working and it's not. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, as, as, okay, I'm throwing out a lot of different terms <laughs> here too, <laughs> you know, but so maybe we can just lay the framework. What yeah. is the feminine genius? Like how, how does this tie in? Like how, how are we supposed to frame this and think about this? Because I think it is something I've seen. Um, you know, on social media and there are really beautiful quotes around it. Um, but, you know, maybe for those listening too, they're like, I've never heard this. And I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. I know. Um, I think that's so real. You know, so many people today, I feel like throw around, throw around the term feminine genius and a lot of us don't really know what it means. And that's kind of was part of my story also of, of looking into it and doing a Bible study on it and whatnot. But so the term feminine genius is heavily attributed to John Paul II. Um, I know that he was also influenced by the writings of um, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross or Edith, Edith Stein. And she has a lot of wonderful writings on women. And um, John Paul II looked into a lot of those writings when he was reflecting on women. But the, the kind of core of where he talks about the, the feminine genius and what it means and the beauty of women is in his letter to women. His, he wrote a letter called called the letter to women and then also in a document called mulieris dignitatum which is on the dignity on the vocation and dignity and vocation of women i believe um i just kind of went a blank there but mulieris dignitatum and so these are some writings from john paul ii in his papacy where he talked about women um and just tried to really uplift them and i think what's really interesting in light of also kind of talking about feminism and whatnot is something i didn't know until i studied it farther is that the letter to women was written in response to a 
kind of international women's conference that was going on at the time. Um, and they were really pushing different things like abortion rights and whatnot. And John Paul II wrote this letter to women in response to that and kind of drawing out the beauty of women. So what is that? He says that the feminine genius is this special abil- ability, this kind of innate ability that women have to see the person in front of them. And that that is something that is different than men. So he has some beautiful quotes talking about how women have that special ability to see the person. And that goes straight down to our biology. You know, it goes down to the beauty of our bodies. Um, and in our ability to see the person, it's this special kind of intuition or, or different things. And um, I think it's something that we can see in lots of different aspects of our lives. You know, you can see it. I, I often share with, with people, like if you're, if you see a group of boys and girls, you know, or like middle school boys and girls or high school boys and girls hanging out or something like that. And a baby starts crying somewhere, say they're at the mall or something, all the girls kind of like look up, you know, it's like almost this like intuition that we have to see the person and the special ability to, to see the person. Um, And that kind of goes in with these four aspects of the feminine genius, which are often talked about, which are receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. Um, And my favorite part of that one is the receptivity of our bodies are physically made to be receptive of human life. Like our bodies are physically made to receive a person and to house a person. And that manifests also in our emotions and it's manifests in the way that we interact with people in our daily life, whether or not we are a mother already, or we're ever going to be called to be a mother. Um, Just because our bodies are formed in a way to house life. John Paul II talks about that we have this special ability to see the person and special ability to recognize those around us and to be there for those around us. Um, And I think this is also kind of goes to what you were just saying. Um, You know, I oftentimes when I talk about this, I talk about a, a, a paper that I wrote in, in college for a political science class. And it was, it was called marriage and family politics. Um, and it was a really interesting class. And I wrote a paper on kind of the feminist movement and wanted to study it a little more. And I went to Google and I just wanted to see from a secular point of view, what does it mean to be a woman? And what I found in my Google search was almost every single blog entry said, you know, being a woman has nothing to do with your biology. It has nothing to do with your body. It's like whatever you want to make it. Um, and it's just really interesting to think of how different that is from what the church and what from jo- what John Paul II says, because truly they say that our power and our glory and our beauty as women is in our bodies. It is in our ability to see other people and to receive other people, um, whether that means like in pregnancy or whether that means just those around us. Um, so I think that's kind of like a little bit of a baseline. I would definitely encourage people to look up those two um those two works from John Paul II, The Letter to Women and Mulieris Dignitatem. Um, it's hard to spell and stuff, but um, those things, well, they're very rich with a lot of beautiful quotes and, and different things where he dives into it. Um, but yeah, receptivity is kind of my favorite thing to hone in on of, of what it means to be a woman and what the feminine genius is. There's something in just when you say that, that it feels so whole. There's something mm-hmm. so beautiful, so appealing about it, where it's like, what's that? Because I think just to think about a life of receptivity, generosity, you said maternity and the fourth one, can you remind me? Um, Sensitivity. Sensitivity. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it speaks so tenderly to the heart of women. Mm. You know, I think in just the space of where we want to not only love, but be loved too. And I think, you know, like in your search with the paper that you're writing and saying, okay, what is, what is a modern day woman? Um, and just my, my work in health communication and, and focusing on women's health in my master's program, um, there was so much conversation around 
feminism and just this hardness around it. And this idea of protecting ourselves and the hardness and the fight and the strength. And, and, and it's not to say women aren't strong and, and we're not, and, you know, it's not like we're not capable. We are all of those things, but when the conversation stops there, it's not really speaking to, I think the the beauty and the tenderness of who we are and the reality of our bodies, you know, which we're going to get into a little bit more here today in our conversation. But I think how important that is, especially today with, conversations around the fact that, you know, it's, it's something that you choose. It's not something given to you and, and how beautiful the church is in recognizing that this is gift and the way that your body is made is gift. Um, so what does it look like for a woman to live out the feminine genius in her daily life? Just some examples of what that tangibly might look like for someone who's hearing this and maybe struggling or thinking, wow, this feels like freedom because I just feel like how, how, how I'm trying to live. I just, I'm hitting that roadblock. It's a, it's a stopping point. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think there's just so many beautiful ways we can live it out in our daily life. Um, and another thing that I often talk to women about is trying to discern and find the ways that they are called individually to live out their feminine genius, uh, you know, no matter what their state in life is or whether they, are super girly or super tomboy or anything like that. Like there are so many ways to live out our feminine genius and to see those around us. Um, I think another thing that's uh, kind of dangerous is a lot of times we'll think that we can only live this out when we're in relationship with other men, you know, with, or when real in relationship with men, whether that's a romantic relationship or different things like that. Sometimes too often we focus on that, but I know you and I had talked about wanting to draw in the beauty of feminine or living out our feminine genius in our feminine relationships as well. Um, so there's so many different ways that we can receive other people. Um, I know something that I often point to is when I was going through my struggle, when I was kind of healing from different things and from sexual sin and all those different wounds, I was starting to open up to some of my friends and I opened up to one of my really good friends who then opened up to me about, um, her struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and I saw how in this vulnerability with each other, we were able to receive each other. So I, kind of open myself up to her so that she had the opportunity to receive me. And then in turn, in that space of kind of reverence for each other and that space of, of honoring each other, she felt more open to, or she felt more comfortable in opening up to me as well. And so I think there's beauty in our feminine relationships where we can kind of, especially, you know, if you're not dating anybody or anything like that, if you're younger and um, you're, you're really struggling with that or whatnot, you can still live this out in your feminine relationships. And that's only going to prepare you more and more for what's coming in the future. Right. So her teaching me that vulnerability and then bringing me so much healing through that friendship um, was so beautiful for us. And I really, I really kind of point to our feminine geniuses in that, that we are both able to receive each other and be a, be kind of a shelter for each other, be a, be a house that, that protected each other and, and honored each other in that. Um, I also often think it's, it's good to think about how we can even live this out. We can be almost like a motherly figure, even for mothers in our life. You know, some, and another example that I've given in the past of different ways that I've tried to be there for my mom or be there for her, you know, when she's struggling with different things or she needs somebody to talk to, um, or, or kind of allow her to check in on me, you know, now that she's an empty nester and she's, (laughs) and she's like struggling with that or different things like that is, is um, kind of receiving her, receiving her in this state in life and receiving her in those things. Um, it's, it's really as simple as just talking to somebody. And it's really as simple as just 
allowing them to kind of share what's going on in their life and being open to these people rather than distracting ourselves or keeping ourselves far too busy to see the person in front of us. Um, I know that this is something that it's kind of funny, actually, now thinking back um, before I really entered into this, when people would ask me if you were like on an interview resume or something like that, they'd ask me what one of my biggest weaknesses was. And I would often tell people that one of my weaknesses was getting too busy with logistics and, and different things like that and, and not recognizing the person in front of me. And it's so funny how that was like a direct kind of not, not attack, but it was like a directly against my feminine genius. And I think we can all too often do that where we get too busy of like what's going on in our lives and different things like that. And we don't just stop to see the person because, you know, there might be somebody who's hurting right in front of you that you don't see or, or you don't think you have time for, or if somebody's like, crying in the hallway at school or having a hard day entering into your feminine genius is even taking those moments to recognize them and to say something to them. Um, and just, just, yeah, honor and glory and, and see the person in front of you, I guess, allow yourself to see the person and then act on seeing that person. Um, so those are some ways, I think another, uh, another funny way that I also like to share is when I was a senior in college, um, I lived with four other girls. So there are five of us in the household, and we just always had people coming over to our house. And it just was the space that was just, it was homey for people. You know, the freshmen loved coming to our house. The guys loved coming to our house and all these different things. And I think that that was something that was so special because the men would always come and they would just be like, I don't know what it is about your space, but it's just way more comfortable, you know? And that's the presence of women who are, who are really hoping to, to allow people in and to be hospitable and different things and be almost maternal in a way. Um, so yeah, so being open, I mean, being like inviting people into your space, inviting people into your life, into, into what's going on in your heart um, are just different ways that we can, can really receive others in front of us and see those around us. It's beautiful. It really is. I just love the examples that you give us. They're so tangible mm. and I think so relatable to different spaces in our lives, different seasons in our lives. And I can imagine someone listening thinking, so how, I don't, how is this supposed to tie in with fertility awareness? But I think the, the foundation that we need to come back to and be reminded of is, is really an integrated life, a whole life mm-hmm. in which we're really honoring who God made us to be and, and who we are in front of him and, and to acknowledge that, to accept that, to welcome that, to welcome our feminine genius, to work with our feminine genius instead of against it, you know, and recognizing, I think having those four, you know, really like they're like pillars of the feminine genius and how you were given that a beautiful example with receptivity, where you said you can get kind of caught up in those logistics or something that's going on and the things that you need to get done. And it's like, okay, do I see the person in front of me? Mm-hmm. And just those, those simple questions, I think, because this builds on really who we are as women and how this impacts other areas of our life, other aspects of our health. Um, and I really liked, you know, just in our conversations that we've had around friendship, because I think how beautiful it is that we can open up and be more vulnerable in our relationships with other women. And should we be called to marriage? Like you said, it really lays the groundwork in understanding vulnerability, authenticity in a way that leads so beautifully to marriage. And of course it looks different in marriage, but really there are those, those similar themes coming into play. And I, I know, and I, what I had shared with you and I've, I've shared with followers on social media and somewhat here in this space um, is that with my charting journey, I started and it was really in college where I, I really leaned into it a lot more and femtech was coming out and I had engaged some other friends obviously girlfriends <laughs> to mm-hmm. do this with me. And 
and it really allowed us to open up in this space of vulnerability because we were talking about something, you know, so personal to our health and to our own journeys and what we were struggling with. And it led to conversations around, you know, oh, I didn't realize like how emotional I got mm-hmm. on my period, or I didn't realize that, you know, like my period, sometimes I feel this way, or I just feel very vulnerable in this time, or I'm more sensitive. And just speaking, I think, to those spaces where we often, I don't know that we would have ever opened up had it not been for that, that, um, opportunity to chart our cycles and talk about it and creating that safe space of openness. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be through charting, but maybe it will be, but just that the beauty that came from understanding each other, understanding ourselves in that space of fertility awareness and really how it tied in so beautifully with the feminine genius, because it was really understanding who God made us to be, Mm -hmm. how he made us biologically, physiologically, and, and honoring that. And through that, we were able to honor our friendships and vice versa, which is just I think so powerful. Um, and I want to touch on too, just, just to have that distinction, the feminine genius, how is that different or similar to the masculine genius? Because I know that those two, you know, coexist and work together. And you kind of mentioned too, just that idea that it's not necessarily if you're a girly girl or tomboy, like where that puts you in a category, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than you know, clothing that you wear. And there's so much that we could go into, I know, with this topic. So lead us where you will, Emily. <laughs> of course, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so um, gosh, feminine genius and masculine genius and just femininity, masculinity, this is something I'm very passionate about. I love just kind of examining the the relationship between men and women and the complementarity and the struggle and all those things, all the above. Um you know, a lot of this goes right down to like, I, kind of, as you're saying, this just understanding of our bodies and this reverence for our bodies. Um, and it's very theology of the body based where we look at, you know, in the sexual union, a um, woman receives the man into her body. Right. And so like, it goes straight down to that, to, to sex and all those things that, that the woman, the man kind of um, pursues and the woman receives this kind of pursuit and this receiving um, and that's kind of what we can see as well in, like I said before, within the, the woman's ability to house life and how that manifests in other aspects of the woman's life. It's the same thing in men as well is this, this kind of desire for pursuing and this desire for protecting and guarding and guiding. Um, that is something that is inherent to men as well. And um, I think the more that we start to enter into those gifts that we each start to enter into that those gifts the freer we are because it's what we are truly made for um and when we allow ourselves to enter into those different sides of our relationships is is when it is brings so much fruit you know um i often talk about this as well with my with my boyfriend he is incredibly masculine he's an army veteran you know and he he loves talking about men I, i'm pretty sure he's re- he's recording a podcast right now i was telling bridget this before and they're talking about masculinity which is hilarious i forgot to add that but um it's awesome you know, <laughs> loves talking about that so shameless plug you can check that out later on the seeking excellence podcast but um yeah they, and i should i should just add everything that we're talking about will be in the show notes so the okay, letter to women great. that you talked about okay, and we'll, great, link, we'll link his podcast too because i think it's okay. great just to see that yeah. complementarity and just like how, what his sure. work is doing to to live that out too so anyway yeah totally no yeah so they're talking about masculinity and just um i feel like the breakdown of both sides just leads to a lot of chaos um and uh, in a lot of ways we as women are trying to, especially today, just like modern kind of women and modern feminism 
trying to control all these different aspects of what's going on around us. Um, and that's something that I, that I often think about is how, um, you know, I say that we say that a, a feminine aspect or a feminine trait is this receptivity, right? Um, you know, no, the opposite of receptivity is kind of grasping for things or reaching for things and wanting to take and control. Um, and that's what we see a lot in our world today. And oftentimes I've recognized how in my own life, when I was really struggling with the question of who am I and what does it mean to be a woman and, and what does it mean for me to be a woman was when I was really deeply rooted in sin. Um, and I was deeply rooted in this aspect of grasping and trying to control things around me and trying to take anything that I can to fill whatever void I had in my life um, rather than sitting in that receptivity and receiving those around me. Um, and I've seen how when I started in this relationship with Nathan, um, you know, I didn't date much at all in college, uh, which was beautiful because I got to enter into a lot of my feminine friendships. And I had those beautiful aspects that we've kind of been, we've been mentioning where we were entered into our feminine genius. But I started to see how I wasn't I didn't quite know what it meant to, to receive him and to allow him to lead in different ways and allow him to lead in a way that's not repressive to me or that's not, um, you know, it's not in a way that's kind of tearing me down or holding me down or anything like that. But in a way that honestly, I've never felt more free in my femininity than I have in this relationship um, because he has been so formed in his own masculinity and he does, he is able to kind of enter into that as well. Um and I really can't put my word, put words to it, but I've talked to other people who've experienced this as well, where it just works. Like it just feels right where we have both kind of spent the time studying what it means to be a woman and him studying what it means to be a man and trying to live that out personally. And then once we came together, it just, it just clicked, you know, it just, it just was beautiful as, as we were able to kind of enter into that. And so um, I think this is something that's really important for men and women in relationships to talk about is what are the ways that we feel that we maybe are holding each other back from entering into our respective, you know, genius. Um, in those, those were some hard conversations that we had that Nathan and I had at the beginning of our relationship of kind of him kind of calling me to allow him to be a man um, and allow him to do different things that are that he felt you know, uplifted his masculinity. And then in the same way, he's allowing me to be a woman in different ways as well. Um, and so it's just really beautiful how complementary they, how complimentary they are. Um, and I think it's important that we allow each other to be who we are and, and to kind of flourish in that because there's so much freedom. I, I can't even explain the freedom that I found um, in that. And I'm sure you can speak to that as well, being married and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's just been a really beautiful journey of, of entering into that. It's so beautiful what you said, the freedom. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think it's when we hear about complementarity or like, oh, I'm free to live, free to live out and flourish as a woman and he's free to, to live out and flourish as a man. Mm -hmm. I think we often jump to the idea of repression or, oh, well, what are you, what are you, you know, are you thinking that you're, you know, going to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen? Like, is that how you, is that really repression? I think, you know, it's like this, there's this immediate um, I think desire to want to attack it and protect ourselves mm -hmm. instead of saying, okay, let's, let's come at this from a different perspective or from a growth mindset really and saying, okay, what, what would it mean to flourish as a woman? What, what would it mean to flourish as a man and seeing that complementarity lived out? Because I think um, we're quick to want to, we're scared of it. I think ultimately mm -hmm. we're, we're scared of it. It's scary to think like, I don't know what that would really look like to flourish and I think we get stuck on, you know, like, oh, I've seen those 1950s ads, you know, and thinking right. like, that's just what the Catholic church wants for me. It's like, no, 
you're meant to flourish. And that I think is what's so beautiful about that is there are those, you know, like those core aspects of the feminine genius and the masculine genius that you called out of those pillars. Um, but when, when you go beyond that and living out and flourishing, it's going to look different for every couple, but you right. don't, you don't lose those like core aspects of the feminine genius and masculine genius because it's what grounds you and who you are and how you're wired as a woman. But, you know, of course there are other aspects that come into play, like your personality, your mm-hmm. hobbies, your passions, you know, your work, whatever else that might be. Um, and so it's, I think it's easy to oversimplify or say like, you know, I don't want this. I reject it when it's, it's a lot more scary, I think, but in a good, a good way and it's in a good challenging way. And it's vulnerable to say, okay, what would this look like in my own life? Mm. Um, on a practical level, <laughs> I remember mm. being very nervous about what complementarity would look like because I had a very narrow understanding. Um, we were actually at our engaged, engaged retreat weekend for couples. And, um, there was a, a worksheet that we were given and it was basically just to see a family history of like, okay, you know, to better understand like chores and like things around the house. Like, you know, when you grew up, like who would mow the lawn or who would do the dishes or who would do the laundry. And then it was like, what do you want to build together in your home? And I remember seeing this and I was like, okay, well, this is how it played out. Like, well, I could mow the lawn and you could mow the lawn. Well, I could do the dishes and you could do the dishes. And I had this really almost obsession with like this equality of, well, I can do it and you can do it. Uh, you know, like that, what, what is the song? Like anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, can better yeah. <laughs> and that was, I think really that fear of vulnerability to say, okay, yes, I, of course I can mow the lawn, but I'm going to allow, I'm, I'm going to let you do it. And I'm going to receive that gift of you serving our family in this way, you know, and I, I struggled and we got into one of, I think the biggest fights we've ever mm-hmm. had. And I just thought like, I can't talk about this. This is ridiculous. This is so old. This is so stupid. And I look at it now and laugh because, because I was just like, okay, that was just as a tool to help us to get talking. So we didn't have unrealistic expectations right. of each other, but then in marriage to live that out, like it is such a gift. And I've realized my love language is now acts of service and it's really transitioned in marriage, marriage, you know, when David does something or takes care of something, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just feel so loved. It's so awesome. Like, I can't believe you did the dishes or that you set up the coffee pot, (laughs) but in that same way, and that receptivity of receiving that I want to give. And so I think it, you know, it plays out of that generosity. It's like, how can I love you? Like what you start paying attention to the person and seeing, okay, in what ways can I love you and see you in this way that you would feel really honored and loved. And, and that's been um, something that I've really had to be in a good way challenged in our marriage to say, how can I receive your love and receive the way you're leading our family? Um, even in just the simple ways of saying, okay, David, what time should we go to mass? And he's like, you know, what? I really think 9am would be good for our family. I'm like, okay. And he's like, wow, I like, you would not have done that a couple of years ago. Mm. You would have felt like the need that you had to have the final say or but you ha- like, it has to be a discussion because you have to be a part of the decision-making instead of just mm. saying, I trust you. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and I think that beautiful dance that I know Christopher West talks about that with theology, the body yeah. and just the geniuses is so powerful. And just to see it lived out. And I think it's so beautiful that you're experiencing that through your relationship with Nathan and through mm-hmm. the relationships that you had with other women and recognizing and living that out and being courageous enough to explore it and live it out which I think is so often something we don't do because it's like, well, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to lose my identity? And I think that's so much of what the devil tries to tempt us with when it's like, no, you're going to find yourself like, and find yourself in the Lord, not just some nebulous idea of like, I found myself, <laughs> whatever right. that means, you know? Yeah. 
Well, wait, I've seen how we, he, he and I often talk about how um, there's so much power in the woman or the woman has so much power in, in even like kind of that, that example that you gave of, of just accepting it. And, and honestly, a lot of times in, in respecting the man or in trusting the man like that in that way, you know, a lot of times that makes them turn and want to do something for you in return, you know? So it's almost this like power as well that we have to, um, to bring that alignment and to bring that kind of understanding of each other and that, that reverence for each other. And it kind of goes down to our ability to see the other person um, as long as we enter into it, because I know that's kind of the issue we see a lot today is that, that, um, you know, wanting equality in every, in every aspect, you know, or or different things like that, um, which never kind of never works out in relationships. You know, I was watching a video this morning where they were talking about um, not counting, not keeping track or like not taking score in relationships. Um, because it's always going to be lopsided at certain parts and, and, and no matter what your um, what's going on in your life, it, it's going to come out lopsided. So the more that we can come to understand each other and to respect each other and also have those conversations, be able to have those open conversations to be able to see the ways that we are maybe impacting each other um, is so, so important. I think this also speaks to really beautifully um, when a couple, especially in marriage is using natural family planning mm-hmm. and just the areas outside of that space where this, these geniuses are, are being summoned upon, they're being called out, you know, where you need these and and to grow in these spaces of vulnerability and communication and intimacy, because it impacts your ability to practice NFP, to desire each other, to love each other well in sex, you know, and just, and seeing, you know, these areas where it's either, um, you know, it, it calls out, I think some ways, those, those shortcomings that we see and these ways in which we're being called to say, okay, how, how can I love you better? And how can I receive your love? How can you love me better? Like, how are, how are we working together? And are we focusing on, you know, growing our marriage? Are we just pitting each other? You know, we're pitting against each other and we're always against each other and just how that can play out so negatively in so many spaces of relationship, um, is just incredible to, to really, I think, see and think about, um, you know, and, and married or not, I think you can imagine and sense that tension too, because, you know, we see it in other relationships too, even if it's, you know, boyfriend, fiance, or even other like male friendships where it's just like, okay, are we allowing ourselves to honor each other and to love each other? Well, you know, and obviously that love is going to look different depending on the relationship you have, but, um, you know, how does, how does theology of the body really tie into this? We've been saying that term a lot and I realize we didn't really define it, yeah. but how does that, you know, impact our geniuses and, and what does that really look like too? Yeah, of course. Um, so to kind of background, uh, theology of the body again comes from John Paul II. Uh, he's just the best. As you can see on all these different things, he's my absolute favorite. Um, so the theology of the body is a series of, uh, basically it's the compilation of four years of Wednesday audiences. So the Pope uh, every Wednesday gives an address to the people, the pilgrims in St. Peter's Square. And John Paul II, when he was a bishop, he was really, uh, well, also when he was a young priest, he was able to grow in a lot of relationships with young couples and just kind of this, had this beautiful charism and this beautiful love for marriage and family life and relationships and all those things. Um, so he started compiling a lot of writings on, on marriage and sex and sexuality and all those things. Um, and there was one book that came out called Love and Responsibility, where it was kind of the precursor for all the, 
for everything that he was going to talk about. But then when he became Pope, um, I, I, I've been told that he wrote the theology of the body before he was Pope. And then he addressed um, the crowds for four years, every Wednesday for four years. His addresses were all focused on this aspect of sexuality. So basically it's just this beautiful, beautiful teaching on human sexuality and relationships um, that John Paul II has given the church and the world. And so this is about 40, I'm pretty sure um, he started it about 41 years ago. So exactly 41 years ago is what I've been told. Um, and it's just this beautiful, like I said, really in-depth teaching on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and all the kind of the, the nuts and bolts of, of what goes into that and what goes into our relationships. Um, and so kind of theology of the body is something that has sprung out from, it's kind of erupted <laughs> over the last 40 years. Um, but what's something that's really interesting is in my training that I had in the culture project, uh, we had uh, somebody come in and train us. And he said that, you know, John Paul II had given the theology of the body 40 years ago. And in, in biblical terms, 40 years represents a generation. So 40 years represents a generation. John Paul II actually said that he was writing the theology of the body for the next generation, which means that he had this exact time in history in mind, you know, present day today, he had us in mind when he was writing the theology of the body, because he could see the, the ways, the ways that our culture was going, the ways that, um, you know, our society and our governments were starting to not recognize the beauty of men and women and marriage and, and family life and all those things. And he knew that he needed to provide the theology of the body for other people to, for, for our generation to have. Um, so it's really beautiful, kind of that, that background in it. I would definitely encourage you to look into it more. There's like so many books on the theology of the body out there. Um, the actual book is, is pretty dense and um, there's a lot to it. So I'd encourage you to look into different things like Christopher West and Jason Everett. Um, they have wonderful stuff on the theology of the body. Um, but exactly that, this all ties into the theology of the body because everything that he talks about, again, is based in the masculinity and the femininity and, and what that means in our bodies and that our bodies reveal this gift, um, that our bodies are a theology, right? And the way that we interact with each other is a theology and it's all tied up to Jesus and the church, um, you know, and, and kind of the beauty of, of mother church and Jesus on the cross, you know, giving himself up for his bride. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could go on and on about the of the body or different things or what we can go into that, but everything, everything is based in this, this truth of, of men and women that is seen in the sexual union, this truth of that is played out in all different aspects, but, but really deeply seen in our bodies and in the ways we interact with each other. Um, so I feel like that was kind of all over the place, but I, um, no, it was very, so much I, okay, I good. Chilled because I did not realize that, um, and just like the next generation is us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just to see, I mean, really, I, like I was talking with my mom, I'm the oldest of four and I was saying, you know, like, it just seems like in the past, you know, few years, probably, you know, past 10 where it's just like exploded and all these books are coming out and these conversations mm -hmm. are happening and people are talking about it on social media and you're seeing it coming up on YouTube. And my mom was like, this did not exist for, I mean, she's like, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't know that like John Paul II was giving these addresses and I wasn't totally aware of this. And she's like, just to see all that is available now and just this rich, beautiful language around how we can understand who we are 
and, and what our bodies are saying, you know, just that, right. that, that language of our bodies, um, which I think just ties in so well, you know, cause I, as we're talking, it's like, okay, we're trying to lay the foundation. Like what's the feminine genius? What's the masculine genius? Like, what is this complementarity and why does it matter? And how we're playing, seeing this out in our friendships, you know, with men, with women and with theology of the body, I think this just pairs in so beautifully and saying, okay, so fertility awareness, like this helps us to deepen our understanding of the ways in which God has, has made us as women, you know, regardless if we, if we become physical mothers or not, it's that understanding of the, of the goodness in which we're made and that, those revelations. So maybe you can just speak to that a little bit more, how fertility awareness is really understanding our feminine genius, understanding theology of the body, going beyond family planning. You know, I think we can get kind of stuck in that, like, oh, it's an, it's a way to plan your family. It's like, no, this is, I mean, you know, beyond that it's, it's virtue building and marriage and it's so much more, but for women, especially who are single or engaged in, in that space where they're not in the family planning mode, like, why would it matter? Why does fertility awareness matter or make sense in the context of, of the feminine genius? Yeah. Well, I think it's exactly that. It's just this, um, better awareness of your body and better kind of reverence for your body. Um, I know in college, I had a lot of friends who, started learning more about, you know, tracking their cycles and, and, or charting their cycles and, and whatnot. And, um, every single one would share just this feeling of empowerment that they had. Um, and, and a lot of them, actually, most of the ones that I can kind of think of right now who started opening me up to it, you know, weren't dating anybody and might not still be dating anybody. Um, so they're far from marriage. They're far from these different things, but they wanted to learn they wanted to learn more about their bodies because they saw that it, w- it was an empowering thing. And I truly have seen that in my own life, that the more that I learn about it, the more I come to understand myself, um, the more I come to understand how I relate with people every single day, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever part I am in, in my cycle, I can kind of give myself a little bit of patience and give myself a little bit of, of love. Um, and, and just have that empowerment with our bodies. And, and once we kind of receive that and we kind of see that I think that just looks goes forward in other aspects of our life you know we are we are body and soul um and the more we come to know who we are in our bodies and we the more we come to be familiar with our femininity and and the gift that it is to be a woman no matter what that brings um you know no matter what hardships that bring in your cycle or anything like that the more we understand that in our bodies the more we can come to honor our our feminine soul right like our feminine um, as the aspect of us that is, that is not bodily. Right. Um, and those just go together. And so kind of both things, you know, if you, if you study more about the feminine genius, or if you, if you're aware of these things, you, you know, about John Paul II's writings, um, I would encourage you to look into learning more about your body and the biology of it, because he talks about the biology is so intertwined with it. And so, or if you know more about the biology and you know more about fertility awareness and different things like that, kind of look into what does it mean to be a woman in this spiritual sense or in this emotional sense, um, because all of it is tied together. And that's the important part of the theology of the body. I'm, I'm going to butcher this, this quote, but um, you know, a lot of, or I think I, Christopher West talks about it a lot and I'm sure it comes from straight from John Paul II. Where he talks about when God became man and Je- when Jesus Christ became man the body, the body or theology entered the body, right? Like the, like literally the study of God entered a human body. Um, and so there's so much to be learned from 
our bodies from our yeah biology and all those different things it is so tied together I can't I can't emphasize that enough is that it is all tied together and the more we learn about one side the more we'll come to understand and reverence the other side um and then see it not as two sides but as a whole a wholeness of who we are the the whole yeah the whole person is what we want to eventually love and reverence and come to understand and that again brings so much freedom it brings so much joy um and it can be really powerful in our relationships as well because we can start to see other people as a whole as well um yeah that's so great. And, and you really tying in the practical with this too, you know, like if you understand fertility awareness and the science and you're, and you're understanding the bi- biology and the physiology, let's, you know, tap, let's tap more into the, the theology. Mm-hmm. Let's understand the emotional mm-hmm. aspects. Like what, what does that entail so that we're not just focusing on one, one slice of the pie and we're missing all the rest of it. And it's like, okay, but there's so much goodness here to have this whole story and this right. integration. And, you know, on the same side, if you're, you know, a lover of theology of the body, maybe it's time to start tracking your cycle Mm -hmm. and seeing like, what does this look like? Especially if there are those, I think those narratives, especially for women, when it comes to our cycles and reproductive health, because we're told to shut it, shut our bodies down. We're told our fertility isn't good. It's a problem. It gets in the way. It doesn't allow us to climb in our careers. You have to choose. Is it your job? Is it babies? There's only for the few and far between who get to have both. And I think to fly in the face of those straight out lies, um, because it's just not true. And to really say, okay, what is, what is the narrative that I've said to myself and how do I understand the truth of who I am? That my period's not gross. My fertility is not bad. It doesn't hold me back. It can bring some of the greatest blessings in my life. And that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that again, that you have to be a physical mother in this space, but really to understand and recognize and, and love who you, who you are and how God has made made you and, and how he's made you as a woman. You know, it's not an accident that you have a period. It's not like, oh, darn, we got the short end of the stick. This is a bummer. You know, there's there's purpose in that. And um, I think too often we forget. We forget the, the goodness. We don't see the goodness because we're so bombarded by language that says this is gross. This is nasty. You know, and it's it's not a reverence of the body because true reverence is really to say how okay, how, how beautiful is this? And if I don't see it as beautiful, Lord, open my eyes to see the beauty in which you've made me. Um, and I think sometimes we see it in some ways swing the other way where it's like, okay, well, let's have drawings of women's, you know, and photography of periods. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, that's not really reverence of the body either. Um, and some, you know, may disagree and that's great. Send me a message because I really don't see it as, as a respectful and a, a reverential way of honoring the body by taking it you know, like I just think about like the vagina monologues, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, why, <sighs> what? Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's like, it kind of misses the point I get. They're trying, you know, it's like, you're trying to, to, to create this, this language and this understanding that JP two is so beautifully written, but it's not quite it either. It's missing the mark. Right. Um, and maybe you can speak to that a little bit too. Just like, how do we, as women, practically like how do we navigate these narratives that just bombard us or you know we're we're realizing we're missing the mark we're we're not really there we're not really honoring who we are we're not really honoring our bodies right well as in anything you know um the devil takes something good and he twists it right so there's a lot of of um of beauty to, you know, there's beauty to the feminist movement, right? I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to vote. I'm thankful for my rights and different things. Um, there's beauty to wanting 
you know, equal pay and all that stuff. Right. And um, I think what, what happens is it starts to get twisted into rather than honoring both men and women equally and honoring all these things kind of in the same way um, or seeing them in, in their, in their individual strengths and, and honoring their strengths um, for each other to strengthen each other. Rather, it's just, it's kind of turned into this tearing other people down or tearing men down um, or, you know, putting our bodies, our feminine bodies on full display to be, you know, taken whatever way um, and then calling it empowerment, which is something we see all the time now, you know, with, with different things like um, award shows and whatnot, you know, there's been a lot of different stuff in the news lately about that um, of, people are just kind of showing it all and again I think it it does like you said have this it's well-intentioned in a sense or or sometimes these people think that they are doing what's right um but I just don't I think what's missing the mark is there's not this reverence like a true reverence and like a a recognition of the feminine body and the masculine body but especially the feminine body as as something that is holy and that is something that is to be honored and protected, you know, and that's kind of how, like, I guess in another sense of talking about this and bringing in uh, uh, modesty and different things and kind of veiling the body because it is so holy and because it is so good and veiling those parts of our body, which um, are more feminine um, in a way that, that provides this reverence and almost like this mystery and this understanding of the beauty of them. Um, yeah, I think, I think modesty and then kind of focusing on that and making sure that we are presenting ourselves in a way that reveals our dignity as women, um, rather than just like reveals our body. Um, that's a practical way that we can kind of combat this culture. Um, that's one way we can combat it. I think another way is to kind of watch the ways that we talk about men in our life. Um, I know something that always you know, hits me the wrong way. And this is something that a lot of single women probably hear and have probably said is, you know, men are the worst and I hate men or different things like that. And, and speaking in that way or having those kind of mindsets or allowing ourselves to fall into those mindsets isn't good as well. You know, I know people get really angry and people get heartbroken and, and, and men do heart bad things to, to women. Um, I think instead responding in a way of love and responding in a way that, that honors men in our life is really important. Something I often share with girls, if they um, get asked on a date that they don't want to go on, if it's a guy that they're not super interested in, I really, really encourage women just to, to honor that, that man in any way they can, you know, like thank them for what, for being asked out on a date, thank them for that because it's like, it's a heroic thing to do. It's a heroic thing to put yourself out there. And to honor them through that rather than tear them down. Um, so I think like those are just some little ways kind of watching the way that we talk about each other, you know, be having modesty in dress, but also in the way we talk, um, you know, allowing, allowing these things like sexuality and, and, and whatnot to be reverenced, to be, you know, saved for a holy space, saved for holy conversation, saved for, for wholesome conversation rather than just kind of talking about it in a way that you don't even see the beauty of it if that makes sense you know I think too often we can maybe like fall into this making jokes about things or or whatnot rather than reverencing it if that makes sense so um yeah absolutely and it gets back to I think like you've said about seeing the other person you know mm -hmm. because I think we get so 
caught up in how we're feeling and what we're thinking or our discomfort um, as a way to find answers when we're not realizing, okay, by, you know, not speaking well of the other, trying to say, okay, what's a different way that I can see this person and thank this person, honor this person, you know, and honor my own body, you know, just, it's just that um, duality of receptivity too. Um, And I think like what you said too, with, with just being flippant and how we talk about, especially with sex and sexuality, you know, it's, it's so funny because we, we can make jokes and we can, and be flippant, but we're not really getting at the heart of anything serious. And like you said, it doesn't really reverence anything. And it's also so, it's so superficial, you know, as much as our, our, our culture is so overly saturated by sex or maybe it's not even sex, but just the, idea of what sex could be and sexual innuendos is maybe a better way to say it because it's it's not like we're really talking about sex you know it's like there's still you know even in movies you know you're you're kind of getting an idea but you're not really we're kind of talking about sex but not really and there's still so much confusion around sex and what's licit what's not licit what's what's okay what's not okay you know we we have erotic culture we have purity culture and there's so much confusion in that and it's like if we were really talking about sex honestly if we were really actually reverencing the bot reverencing the body would we be seeing so much confusion Mm. would we be seeing so much lack of conversation and so much turmoil in this space and I think you know just in what you shared tonight well we're recording tonight but for whenever someone listens you know just about the beauty of theology of the body and the beauty of the masculine genius the feminine genius how we can really lean into lean into these things and lean into these teachings and recognizing what does it look like to actually live this out in my life and I love the practicals that you shared with listeners I'm going to say it again tonight today <laughs> and anytime that you listen <laughs> it's so good because I think we need we need to have you know a starting point Right. And saying, okay, beyond, beyond reading about, you know, cause we'll link that in the show notes, just the different literature that you can read in the letters, you know, what are some ways in which the way we talk, the way we speak, the way we dress, like get us thinking about intention, you know, what's my intention and where am I going and why am I doing this and just becoming more aware. And I think sometimes it's really asking the Holy spirit to say like, Holy spirit, like enlighten me, enlighten me to see like where I need to grow and where I need to go. Because I think so often we, can just move through the day and move through these ways of thinking that we don't realize how damaging they are right. and we don't realize the impact that they have on ourselves, but also on others. Exactly. And what we feed ourselves is what will be outputted as well. You know, we have to kind of guard what we're, what we are listening to, what we're watching, you know, the, the people that are advising us, whether that's um, in our actual life or on social media or anything like that. We need to guard those things because they do affect our mentality. They affect the way that we interact with people, um, whether we like it or not. Um, so it's really important to kind of watch that and guard ourselves in that, guard our hearts with that. Yeah, with the guarding, it just makes me think of an analogy. I remember in college, I was in St. Paul's Outreach, and someone had said, you know, just just because you're not drinking the coffee doesn't mean you're not picking up the smell of the coffee from being in the coffee mm. shop. And just remembering like when you leave, you're like, Oh, I really smell like coffee. It's like, it still can impact you even if you're not actively seeking it out or actively taking it in. And just to be aware of aware of that and taking advantage of the sacraments and, and going back to the Lord, especially in confession and saying, okay, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you in this mm. space. And just because it's so easy, I think, especially when it comes to human sexuality and with sex and just how, there's so much, there's just so much confusion 
and what, what it is, what it's not. And just even, you know, the wars we can see within modesty culture and things like that, you know, where it's just like, okay, Lord, where, where is truth? Like, what are you calling me to? What yeah. do you need me? Like, what is going on in my heart that you're really convicting me um, to make changes? Because I think that's just where the, 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 the bold steps happen for us to see beautiful fruit in our lives, which is so powerful. And again, yeah. it's all, it all ties so much into, I think, you know, like, why would a woman chart? Because I think sometimes, you know, we're talking in this space where someone could be listening and thinking like, wait, how does this come back to fertility awareness? But it's really, mm-hmm. it's knowing who we are. It's mm-hmm. knowing who we are as women. It's recognizing who am I and who God made me to be as Bridget and who God made you to be as Emily and, and seeing, okay, what does that really look like? It's not just this high level thing. Like, who am I as a woman? It's like, who am I literally like my, my God given name and the ways in which God is calling me to live out in wholeness who I am and just how you've said, you know, in this episode throughout the freedom that it brings Mm -hmm. and how much we all desire that freedom. Oh, I love that. It's, it's so true. And that's exactly what it is. And that's something I always, I always want to harp on as well as, you know, I really encourage women in whatever you background, you find yourself in and whatever your personality is, there is a way that you are called to live this out. Um, and ask the Lord to reveal that, you know, he will reveal that he might have to reveal to you first who you are. Um, and then he'll reveal what he wants to do with you or what he needs you, how he needs you to live this out. And so, um, as anything, you know, a few of the things we've been talking about virtue is in the mean, um, we never want to be on the extremes of anything. And that's kind of what we see in our culture today. Um, and so don't feel pressured to, to work too hard or anything or, in, or whatnot, but really open yourself up to the Lord and see what he wants to teach you and how he wants to use you. Because um, I know he'll reveal that. And I've seen it in a lot of people's lives. Um, just this beautiful understanding of first who we are and then how we are called to serve him and to serve those around us through that. That's great. Emily, thank you so much for being on the show, for just bringing your, your genius, your expertise and the love that you have for women, I think it's just such a gift that you have to speak to this. And it's so needed, especially right now. I can't get over that. John Paul II has made this for, for our generation. How beautifully you're getting it out. It's so good. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for, for being here. We'll definitely link. Uh, we talked about a lot of different resources uh-huh. and articles and cyclicals, podcasts, and we'll be sure to link those in the show notes. So definitely, you know, look at more, read more continue exploring and discovering who God's called you to be. And we'll also link um, over to Emily's work and, and all the good things that she's doing. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Bridget. It was great to be with you. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends and help expand the conversation around women's health. If you'd like to learn more about fertility awareness, visit www.managingyourfertility.com for more information, resources, guides, and so much more.